we are including uh, 1 Timothy chapter 3 this morning, and uh, we're going to be looking at three verses, and a lot of what we've shared here this morning in our song service uh, pertains uh, to this text, and so if you have your Bibles, uh, verses 14 through 16 this morning. Paul says this to Timothy, I hope to come to see you soon, but I am writing these things to you so that if I delay, you may know how one ought to behave in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, a pillar and buttress of the truth. Great indeed, we confess, is the mystery of godliness. He, Jesus, was manifested in the flesh, vindicated by the Spirit, seen by angels, proclaimed among the nations, believed on in the world, taken up in glory. This morning's, uh, the title of this morning's message is, is God's Family. And uh, as and this is kind of a wrap up. These three verses they're kind of a wrap up of chapters two and three, because Paul has been explaining to Timothy, he's been explaining to us uh, what are the behavioral expectations of followers of Christ. And um, you know, Paul mentions in verse uh, fifteen, if I delay you may know how one ought to behave in the household of God. He wants us to know how, what, how we are to live our lives. And that's what we've been looking at uh, carefully over the last several weeks. Now, in order for us to be um, motivated to live out these characteristics... Uh, the foundation of our motivation needs to be, is to be, the gospel of Jesus Christ. If we don't understand the gospel and all that Christ has done in us, then you know what? We feel just kind of obligated to do this, or we do this by guilt, and it lasts for a period of time. But if we truly understand all that Christ has done for us, um, knowing his love for us, we want to love him back. And Paul shares the, the motivation, the gospel, uh, back in chapter 1, verses 15 and 16. I think it's in your uh, flyer this morning. But he says, this is Paul's testimony. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. That Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of who I am foremost. Look at that again. Paul, beyond a shadow of a doubt, knows exactly who Jesus is and what he has come to, to do. And he has saved sinners of who he is the foremost one. Verse 16, but I receive mercy for this reason, that in me, as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who are to believe in him for eternal life. So church, we cannot forget 
the great sacrifice, the love, the extreme that Jesus went to for your salvation and my salvation. We didn't deserve that love. I remember taking um, Kyle to go see the movie, The Passion of Christ. I think he was in the uh, eighth, probably the eighth grade at the time. Very graphic movie. Um, as you watch uh, Jesus uh, being beaten uh, with a cat of nine tails and, and tortured, uh, hung on that cross uh, until he died. And uh, it was hard to watch. And as we were getting in the car, uh, ready to come home, and Kyle, eighth grade, out of the, uh, out of the, the voice of babes, Kyle says, boy, I didn't deserve that. I wasn't worth that. Actually, Kyle, and actually every one of you, if Jesus, if Jesus is here this morning, he would say, every one of you was worth it. That was his love poured out for you. Chief sinner. We all can carry that label. But yet, Jesus did that for us. And so what is our response to be? To love back. The Bible says, Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength. That is uh, the most important commandment. And one just like it is love your neighbor as yourself. He wants us to love him back. Well, how do we love Jesus back? One of the ways we love him back is that we don't forsake the assembling of ourselves together. Because as we assemble together, guess what? We are the church. We are the bride of Christ. We are the body of Christ. And the Bible says that Jesus died for the church. So the church is important to Jesus. And the church needs to be important to each of us. Now, I didn't understand that when I was seven years old. I was six or seven years old. And, you know, from before I was born, my mother had me in church. And the reason why I was going to church was because my mama and papa were in that church. And uh, my grandparents were going to make sure that my mom was getting uh, us and my brother and sister to church. I was the oldest. And uh, so church was cool in the, in, the, in the morning time. But my mom got it into her head that uh, we needed to go back to church on Sunday nights. Now, that didn't happen from the very beginning. But um, about that period of time, my dad came to know the Lord. And my dad had a Catholic background. And uh, my dad had a drinking issue. I remember 
uh, sitting in my grandmother's house with uh, his brothers and they, the, the brothers having a beer. Me asking my dad, I was five or six years old, Dad, can I have a sip of that? And my dad giving me a sip of beer. Well, shortly thereafter, my dad came to know the Lord. And uh, in coming to know the Lord, you know, and I just kind of pieced this together this week um, in preparing this message. Um, I'm sure my mom was very excited about that. And so she wanted to take every opportunity she had to make sure we were in the church every time the doors were open. And, you know, as a five or six-year-old at the time, I'm thinking to myself, Mom, this is kind of extreme. You know, I want to stay home on Sunday nights. You know, uh, Disney movies are on on Sunday night. Uh, what do they call that? Disney? Walt Disney World? Or, yeah. Wonderful world of Disney. I can't miss that, Mom. And, uh, and so my mom was taking me away from that. And I remember complaining in my grandparent, my grandmother's house, in her kitchen. Mom, why do we have to go back to church? We just went to church this morning. And her answer was, because I said so. (laughs) And that didn't settle very well with me. And maybe you have some kids in your house, and you hear them complaining occasionally, why do we have to go church? I think I think Paul answers that in this text this morning. Why going to church is important. This is one of the ways that we love Jesus back. Because the church is very important to Jesus. And so four things I want to share from this text this morning. Why going to church is important. The first is to be with God's family. Verse 15 says Paul describes uh, the church as the household of God, which is the church. The church is God's family. And as God's family, it's important that we be together. That we're connected to a local church. If you're not connected, now I know I'm preaching to the choir this morning. Because you're all here, you're faithful. But if you're here for the first time, and you don't have a local church family, you know what? The Bible describes you as a spiritual orphan. Oh, you may be connected to God's universal family, but when we read the New Testament, when we read these letters, Paul is writing to individual congregation. This church happens to be in Ephesus, and, and, and God wants us to be connected to a local church family. And that connection, friend, needs to go beyond just filling a seat on Sunday morning. You need to be connected with people in the local church. And that doesn't mean you can, you're to be connected with, to everybody. Listen, we all have 
uh, schedules. We all have things to do, and we only have so much time. And so you don't have an opportunity, you don't have the time to connect with everybody in this congregation. And that's why we break it down into small groups. You do have time to find a group, a small group of 8 to 10 people where you can connect on a deeper level. That's why we have groups on Sunday morning. We have groups uh, throughout the week, Sunday nights and throughout the week, to give you an opportunity to meet other people, to pray for people to get you to know your name, for you to get to know other people's names, to study the Word together, to ask questions, to have those questions answered, share life with, with each other. That's important. That's part of being part of the family. Serving together. You heard Nathan mention that uh, this Saturday is uh, Salvation Army Food Drive. I want to encourage life groups to uh, sign up for a two-hour period and spend that time with each other at a grocery store and maybe go out to, to lunch afterwards. But serving together, enjoying being with each other. But church, church is one of the ways we love them back. Now, I've heard some people say, well, I don't want to go to church. The church is just filled with a bunch of hypocrites. Do you use that same kind of excuse about the gym? You don't want to go to the gym because there's a bunch of people that are out of shape there at the gym? No. You know what? The church is full of hypocrites. The church is full of sinners. Now it says we're all sinners and fall short of the glory of God. And if you're looking for a church today that you're a perfect person... Oh, please don't join this church because you're going to mess it up big time. We all have issues. And we all need each other to be there for each other. That's where those small groups come alongside when life throws us a curveball. So, why go to church? Because we need to be with God's family. The second reason why we need to go to church is so that we can know how to live a godly life. Paul says to Timothy in verse 15, how you ought to behave in the household of God. That's what we've been looking at in chapters 2 and 3. We've looked at the importance of praying for our leaders by sharing the good news, by being reconciled to each other, uh, learning how to dress uh, appropriately to glorify the Lord, how to follow uh, the order of God's design for both in the home and in the church, and to how to choose uh, godly leaders. That character matters. That those who lead us here um, 
display these types of character qualities in their life. We come to church to learn what God expects of us. The church needs to be spiritually healthy and requires a healthy and obedient leaders. And just as the church requires that, so do our homes. These character qualities that we read in, in chapter 3, these are character qualities that need to be displayed in, in our lives, all of our lives. And we need to be living these things out in our home. And if, 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 if that isn't a part of our uh, personal lives and in the, in the life of our homes, then our homes aren't healthy. Mom and Dad, if you want, if you want your children to walk in your footsteps, they need to see that God is alive in you at home. And if they don't see God in your life at home, they're most likely not going to carry that with them when they get out from underneath your supervision. Now, this this doesn't describe everyone. I know that there's parents in this room who have lived out these character qualities before your children as they were under your roof. And they're not walking with God today. And it breaks your heart. And so it's not a guarantee. But as you model these things, your children have a far greater opportunity to be successful outside your presence. We go to church to be with God's family. We go to church so that we know what God expects of us, how we are to live our lives. And number three, we go to church to be the church. Paul describes the church as the church of the living God. The church of the living God. So as the church gathers, well, when you came to know Christ as your Lord and Savior, the Bible says you were given a spiritual gift. And uh, God expects you to use that spiritual gift in his body, in his local church. Now, Paul describes these various spiritual gifts as uh, different body parts. And uh, as you look at a human body, the hand's important, the foot's important, the tongue's important. Every part's important. And as the church gathers, we manifest the living God. God is here. Now, when we scatter... We're not the church. I'm not the church. You can't, you can't be the church. I can't be the church. Oh, I'm the temple. I, I'm the temple of the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit lives with inside me. But I can only become the church when I assemble with other believers. Ecclesia. 
Ecclesia is, is the word for assembly. And so Ecclesia uh, described a lot of different assemblies in the New Testament. It's not just the church. But for us, as we assemble, as I bring my temple, as you bring your temple, and as we gather together in his name, guess what? The Spirit of Christ, the presence of Christ is among us. And we manifest, we display the living God. That's what Paul is saying here. We are the church of the living God. Now, there is some bad ecclesiology going on today in the church. There's, there's a pastor up in Seattle, uh, Washington, who was really excited this week because their church has a new app. And uh, he was encouraging people anywhere and everywhere to download this app. If you download our app, this pastor says, you are going to be a part of our church. And on this app, you'll be able to hear the pastor's message. You'll be able to join in worship. This app even has a, um, a little foyer. And as you go into this foyer, you can meet other people. You have this virtual foyer, and you can see uh, other people who are joining in on this worship service. And, and you can connect with them. You can text them. Uh, you know, you can learn their names, and, and you can be the church. I'm here to tell you this morning, that's not the church. The church is flesh and blood. God wants us to assemble together in worship, in prayer, in reading His Word, in studying the Word together to be the church. Oh, you, you can, can part- participate in a way, but you can't do life with other people through an app. How well is that working for you as Facebook friends? Oh, you got a lot of friends on Facebook, but you're still lonely. God wants us to come together. And as we come together, we manifest His presence. We become the church of the living God. Flesh and blood. People filled with the Spirit of God. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 16 says, For we are the temple of the living God, as God has said. I will make my dwelling among them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Yes, you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And that temple is not in reference to just the general temple 
of uh, of uh, what we see in in Jerusalem, uh, the the physical temple that uh, that Herod had rebuilt, that Solomon had built. No, it's a specific part of the temple. It's the holy, holy part of the temple. That's what Paul is describing is here, and that's where Christ in you lives. So we are temples. These temples have got to come together, assemble together to manifest his living presence. So we come together to be the church. We come together to know how to live a godly life and to be with God's family. And then number four, we go to church to preserve and confess the gospel. To preserve and confess the gospel. Paul is describing us as guardians of the gospel. We are a pillar and buttress of the truth. I'm ashamed to say that uh, it's only been recently that uh, I got into these... Mar- is is a Guardian of the Galaxy, is that a Marvel movie? Yeah. yeah. I had not seen one Marvel movie up until maybe six months ago. You know, I went to... Uh, I went to Disneyland and uh, rode the ride in Disneyland or uh, California Adventure, that, that, that tower ride. What's the name of that tower ride? Okay, whatever. But, um, was on that ride, and I was lost on that ride. I didn't know the storyline. Oh, that was so cool. I was totally lost. I hadn't seen any of the movies. And so I decided I was going to watch some of the movies. And I saw Guardian of the Galaxy. And you know what? I really like that movie. Most of the time when I take my grandkids to the movie, you know, those cartoons or whatever, I'm asleep about 20 minutes into the movie. But this movie kept me awake, and I think the reason why it kept me awake is because I liked all the snarky humor in the movie. But uh, Guardian of the Galaxy, how cool is that movie? Guess what, church? We are, we have a more important role than Guardians of the Galaxy, the, those in the Guardians of the Galaxy. We are Guardians of the Gospel. We are the pillar and buttress. We are to be the pillar and buttress of the church. Now, as, as Paul is describing this word, these two words here, you know, he, I think he's imagining a, a, a physical building um, with, with pillars and a foundation. But as he's describing us, the church, he's, he's not talking about brick and mortar here. He's not talking about a building. He's talking about the people. And as we come together as, as a pillar, that means that we need to be lifting up the truth. We need to be proclaiming the truth. And as he talks about uh, the buttress, that's, that's the foundation. That's, it's not going away. It's there forever. And that we are to be part of that. We are that foundation of truth. 
how many houses have we watched or seen burned down on the last few days? You know, the buildings aren't there. The two-by-fours, the shingles, the furniture, it's all gone. What remains, though? Foundation. We're the foundation of truth. We are to, we are the pillar of the gospel. We are to proclaim the gospel. So this buttress, what does it mean? We preserve the truth. We safeguard it. We are the guardians of this church. We are here to ensure that the next generation is going to receive the truth. And not just part of the truth or a different truth, but the, the truth of what Jesus came and did. We go to church, church, to pass on the truth, to safeguard the truth to who's coming behind us. And so what you do in the nursery area, what you do in the children and or children's church or the youth area, you're not wasting your time. You're pouring truth into those little lives. And how grateful I am for my peers and the generation that was ahead of me who poured themselves in God's word in my kids. You know, I say this at every parent dedication. It takes more than a family to raise a child to walk with Jesus. It takes a church. We all have that responsibility as we're faithful in our tithes and offerings. We're helping ensure that the next generation, we're going to pass on this gospel, this word, to the next generation, who will then teach the next generation. This has been going on for 2,000 years. But you know what? We live in a generation today... They're not taking church seriously. I went to the Southern Baptist State Convention a few weeks ago in Clovis. You know how I would describe that convention meeting of all of us pastors there together? One word. Tired. Old. Church is in decline. We live in a culture today that doesn't care. The Christians, if they've got time, if they can fit it into their schedule, okay, I'll go to church. But the church today is not like the World War II generation. That generation... You could count on them no matter what. 
Now, that generation had their issues too, okay? It wasn't a perfect generation. But they're far more committed to the body of Christ than many believers are today. You know, when we lose a, um, a senior adult um, family in our church who faithful givers, faithful attenders, you know how many younger families it, it takes to make up for what the senior adult couple was giving to the church? How many families it requires? Five young families to give what one senior adult family has been giving. Now, I know that for younger families, there's less discretionary income. I, I get that, but whatever our income level is, Jesus wants us to sacrifice. It starts with 10%. But we are here, church. We're to be here, church, and we're to be involved, church, to preserve, to be the buttress of truth. The guardian of the gospel, and then also to confess the truth. We are to lift this truth high. The gospel, the good news of Christ, and we are not to be confusing in this, confused about this message. It is to be clear. And what is the gospel message? That Christ came into the world to save sinners in whom I am the chief among sinners. And that's where Paul goes in concluding chapter 3. Paul says this in verse 16, Great indeed, we confess, is the mystery of godliness. The mystery of godliness is this, that Christ is alive. And Christ is in you, the hope of glory. And he is there to help you live out how to live your life as a Christian. Because all these expectations in chapters 2 and 3, you can't do it in the flesh. You need Christ. And our confession, our proclamation is this, that he was manifested in the flesh, that he came in the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus was God in the flesh. He was vindicated by the Spirit. That means the Spirit of God affirmed who Jesus was, both at his baptism and at his resurrection. He was vindicated by the Spirit. He was seen by angels. Angels confirmed Jesus' testimony at his resurrection. As, the, as Mary came to the garden, she was looking for Jesus. Uh, an angel said, why are you looking for him among the dead? He's risen. He's alive. He was seen by angels. He was proclaimed among the nations. That means that the mystery is meant for everyone and not just the Jews. It's for the Gentiles as well. 
He's believed on in the world. It can be yours by believing what Jesus has done for you and finally taken up in glory. He's at the right hand of the Father and intercedes for you and I this very moment. God's will for your life is that you and I live a godly life. And we can't live, if we're not living a godly life, we can't be that pillar and we can't be that foundation and we put the next generation who's coming behind us in jeopardy. Are they going to believe what we know and believe is true? It is Christ in you the hope of glory. This is the mystery of godliness, that Christ is in us. So why do we go to church? When your kids ask you, why do we have to go to church? Don't tell them because I said so. Tell them we need to be with God's family. We need to be the we need to be the church. As we as we come together, Christ is among us. We are to be the gatekeepers. The guardians of the gospel, which is far more important than being guardians of the galaxy. Jesus is our living hope. If you're here this morning, if you've never confessed Christ as your Lord and Savior, do it today. Jesus died for you. Jesus wants to save you. Jesus wants you to live with him in glory for all eternity. And Jesus is the only way. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Jesus, Thank you for being our living hope. And we need to come together every week to remind ourselves, Jesus, not only do you live in us, but you're here in this assembly and you want us to manifest the fact that you are a living God. Help us, help us, Jesus, to be givers, to sacrifice, to sacrifice for this church, both in our time, our talents, and our treasures. That the next generation might believe and the generation beyond that God 
May you find us faithful. And if there's one here today who makes, needs to make that personal commitment to you, you will hear their prayer. You will answer their cry. And may they not keep that to themselves. But let us know that we might encourage them, disciple them in their new walk with you. Thank you, Jesus, for being our living hope. 